Cat is such a friend of the show. We're just going to lead off with him right in the intro because this is downtown sports. This is where sports come home. And we're finally in a land of positivity for both New York basketball teams. And it seems like the Houston Rockets might be our version of Santa Claus. The Nets fans are sitting under the tree, waiting, hoping and wishing for James Harden. And Nick fans are dreading the salary dump gift that they might get in Russell Westbrook, possibly having to give up RJ Barrett and quickly that they just drafted to get him. But change is about winds of change and positivity and peace. Let's get started. We got a jam-packed show. All NBA today. Yep. Well, we got a lot to discuss. The NBA draft. We have a lot to discuss with the Knicks. But we're going to begin first with, uh, well, what's been brewing uh, of late in the West Coast. It's been happening in the Lone Star State of Texas. And here to join us to discuss the Houston Rockets and where things are going in good old Texas. We're pleased to be joined by a former New Yorker turned Texan, radio voice for your late hits in Houston. Patrick Creighton joins us on Downtown Sports. Patrick, thank you for taking some time to join us. How are you doing? Doing all right, fellas. Um, much like the Houston Texans, my house is under construction. Yes. Uh, everything is everywhere. And by tomorrow, everything will be back where it belongs. And it's, it's, it's amazing. It just, it'll just go away. Well, here's the thing that just went away. The, ch- the Texans' chances at possibly winning the Tankathon this year. Yes, that's what we've called it, the Tankathon 2020, Tank for Trevor Lawrence. So we've actually created a whole thing where we actually had, like, I think we played the Play Your Luck theme behind us where we announced the top oh, three prizes. Oh, Your Luck, it's a classic. Yes, we and, did that. Well, there's no point in the Texans trying to win the Tankathon because they don't have a first-round pick. Hell, they don't have a second-round pick. So, what's the point of tanking? I mean, good job, Billy O'Brien. The legacy continues, doesn't it? Goodness gracious me. So, he's the gift that keeps on So, what do the Texans do from here? No first-round pick. No second-round pick. No chance in the AFC South whatsoever. What do you do at this point? Well, if we take Romeo Cronell at his word, uh, what they're not going to do is they're not going to play rookies. They're not going to develop young guys because they're all about winning now. Yes, I'm not even kidding. Uh, you, you're, no. That can't be right, Pat. That really, how could that be possible? Well, remember, the owner, uh, Cal McNair, said he believes in this team, and they're going to turn it around. Okay. No word on whether or not he was drunk or high or and drunk and high at that time. But uh, these are actual words from those people. Well, they beat New England. Let's start with that. They beat New England. New England sucks. They were, they were winning a couple of games here. They were starting to kind of work their way back a smidgen. How many wins does New England have? Four. Four. Okay. Now the Texans have – Three. So a crappy team beat a slightly less crappy team because their superstar balled out like a monster and the other team didn't have a superstar to ball out like a monster. Think about this for a second. Deshaun Watson was what, 28 of 37? He accounted for like all but 15 
of the Texans' yards, like 98% of their yardage. He was damn near perfect. He had two passing touchdowns. He had a rushing touchdown. He doesn't turn the ball over. And despite all of that, this is a one-possession game in the fourth quarter <laughs> because the Texans' offensive line stinks. They can't run the ball. They're like dead last in rushing offense. They're dead last in defending the run. They're 31st in the league in total defense. Uh, they're dead last in uh, opponent passer rating. Their defense is the drizzling I mean, I don't know what the hell like, Deshaun Watson is supposed to do with this team. Uh, realistically, the Texans got to figure out how they're going to appease Deshaun Watson so that his agent, uh, David Mulgetta, isn't saying, uh, yeah, Cal, my client needs to be traded. Y'all suck. And that's why the, the latest news, see, you remember two weeks ago, just a couple of hours before the Texans kicked off, this balloon got floated from Ian Rappaport about the idea of the Texans keeping Jack Easterby a GM for one more year, keeping Romeo Cronell as the head coach for one more year because, because COVID, because they can't do real searches because COVID. Wait, you can play games, and you can hold the NBA draft. And you can admit and fans, you can bring guys for free agency, but you can't conduct a GM and or head coach search because of COVID? No, it's because you're stupid and you're lazy and you're morons. <laughs> So that just got lambasted by everybody, locally, nationally, to the point where team president Jamie Roots had to come out and basically do a whole tour, like an apology tour of, oh, no, 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 we're going to have a new GM. We're, we're going to have a new head coach. And then a day later, you got Cal McNair saying, no, 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 we're going to have a new GM. We're going to have a new head coach. We want to build something that our fans can be proud of. But Jack used to be going to be a really important part of all of this, and every fan wants to hang themselves. Well, so speaking now, of fans, hold on. Latest, wait, hold wait. The latest is Cal is now discussing with Deshaun Watson who it might be the next head coach. I mean, you can't make up how freaking incompetent this organization is. I said this to, to people here. I said, the Texans are literally on the verge of becoming the team that U.S. Texans fans mocked. They're close to becoming the Lions. I thought the They're Jets close to becoming the Jets. Thank you. They're close to becoming the Browns. At least the Browns this year are decent. But Beyond the decent, they have a better made. record. They have a the Cleveland Browns have a better record than the Baltimore Ravens at this point in the season. That's a statement we thought we'd never hear. Well, never. let's let's be fair. The look, the Ravens aren't as good. They, their line has regressed. Lamar has regressed. Uh, Lamar's throwing jack uh, throwing motion has regressed. They don't run the ball as well. Their defense isn't quite as good. Everything about the Ravens has taken a step back. And now that everybody in the league has a year of film on Lamar and how they played, well, they haven't figured out how to make the subsequent adjustments. And the regression by Lamar is, is concerning. Now, I think Lamar is an incredibly talented athlete. Uh, the things that he brings to the table, uh, just athletically, what he can do uh, with his legs, he, he has sufficient arm strength. Uh, he now has to be able to make those uh, make those reads and counteract what defense this year when they he was the MVP and they were just running through everybody. So I think that that uh, the Browns. If you said to me, do you think the Browns are better than the Ravens? 
I don't think the Browns are better than the Ravens, but they might have better, like, like better pieces as far as that fit better. Well, here's the thing. If you understand what I'm I saying. I do understand what you're saying. But we got to move on to basketball really quickly because this was supposed to be an all-NBA two-hitter. Everybody seems to want to leave the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets have all of a sudden become like a COVID hotspot and everybody's trying to run away to the Hamptons. You got James Harden wanting to run to the Nets. You got Russell Westbrook wanting to run anywhere but near either James Harden or um, the Houston Rockets. This whole thing is imploding. Rumors are that players don't like the fact that the owner is a Trump supporter. This is the reason they're going. I don't know what the heck's going on. Tell us what is happening here. All right. I'm going to need a few minutes for this. This, this goes back to Tillman Fertitta's public negotiations with Mike D'Antoni the previous offseason where he was trying to give D'Antoni a one-year extension that would be for, like, a maximum of $6 million. But it was a $2 million base salary. And then he'd get a million-dollar bonus for each round of the playoffs that he won. Like, this is the kind of crap Tillman Fertitta was trying to pull on one of the top coaches in the NBA. When most top coaches in the NBA are making a minimum of six upwards of $10 million. He wanted to give Dan Tony a $2 million base to stay on. And he went to the media bragging about what a great deal he's going to put together. And then uh, Dan Tony's agent came out and said, yeah, that's a bunch of crap. Let me tell you what it is. And it was embarrassing. And I think you would think Tillman kind of learned his lesson about, hey, maybe I shouldn't be negotiating in public because boy, do I look like a horse right now. Then of course you had, uh, that faux pas he had with Daryl Morey with the Hong Kong tweet. So you remember, uh, you know, Daryl Morey staying with Hong Kong. And within minutes, Tillman Fertitta on Twitter blasting Daryl Morey. Oh, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't speak for the organization. Uh, he had no right to tweet that. Makes him take it down. And as we learned, there's a lot of guys in the NBA, <coughs> LeBron James, there's a lot of guys in the NBA who are very much about social justice, but only in America. We don't care about anywhere else. We especially don't care about China because that's where our shoes are made. And that's where our T-shirts are made. And everything else that's, that's a LeBron thing with a Nike logo on it all comes out of China. So you can't make China mad. So you know, you got LeBron, who's, you know, high school educated LeBron, telling MIT educated Daryl Morey, he doesn't know what he's talking about. That was classic. However, uh, it also showed a lot of guys where Tillman Fertitta stands on a lot of things. And it's not a secret that Fertitta has given millions of dollars to the Trump campaign. And for a league where you've got social justice on the backs of players' jerseys, you have social justice messages on the court that they're playing on. You're the Trumper. Now, he's not the only one. And I don't think that's the primary reason why the rats are trying to jump off the ship. But if it comes down to, hey, we don't think we can win here. You've gotten rid of our head coach because you didn't want to pay him. So you left. You worked out some backroom deal with our GM to get rid of him. Uh, and now he's gone. These are the two guys who sold us on the vision. 
these are the two guys that James Harden and Russell Westbrook were attached to. And now they're both out of here, replaced by guys who aren't necessarily bad hires. Rafael Stone's been Daryl Morey's right-hand man for 13 years. And uh, Steven Silas has more than paid his dues. But these guys, this isn't their, they're not their guys. And there's a lack of faith in, in an owner who every year for the last couple of years since he's on the team has made Daryl Morey do cap gymnastics to avoid paying the luxury tax because heaven forbid you pay any luxury tax. While the, the Warriors are out there paying $60 million because they're about winning, the Rockets are about, well, how can I save, how can I save just a few pennies? And it has gotten so bad that Russell Westbrook demanded a trade. James Harden demanded a trade. The Rockets are furious that those trade demands went public because they felt they had leverage over Westbrook and Harden because they are under contract two more years before player options. Uh, but you see Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers took a three-year, $10 million deal with the Knicks. That's not $10 million per. That's $10 million total. And only the first year is guaranteed. So he basically took a one-year deal for a handful of millions of dollars, you know, a couple of million bucks, just to get the hell out of the Houston. Now, I think that is the ownership, lack of draft picks going forward, that they can truly build a winner. For Harden and Westbrook, the rumors are now they might not be trading them. They might wait till the middle of the season to make the moves. What's going on in terms of this entire soap opera? Are Harden and Westbrook going to be on the Rockets? Training camp starts in like a week. Training camps around the corner, yeah, the end of the month, uh, which is, yeah, a week away. So the, the issue is the Rockets don't want to trade Harden and Westbrook. They know that means they're sending up the white flag. However, um, it, a really odd situation that I don't know if they fully grasp. Because the Brooklyn Nets have KD and Kyrie and they are all in for this year, they are the one team that is willing to throw the kitchen sink at the Rockets and say, look, name the players you want. How many draft picks do you want? How many draft swaps do you want? We'll give it to you for James Harden. They might not get that offer again because next season, well, James is only going to be on the contract for one more year before he can opt out. And what if nobody else is in that situation of, uh, oh, wow, we can, we can just go full and see if they don't pull the trade now and then the Nets go on and they win. Well, then they don't need James Harden. And that's why it's a very unique situation that I don't think the Rockets are going to take advantage of. Tillman Fertitta had Raphael Stone offer James Harden another two-year extension on top of his current extension. That would be two years and $103 million. He'd be the NBA's first $50 million a year player. And Harden said no. The fact that Harden said no uh, – should tell you everything you need to know about he doesn't want to be here because he also knows in three years he can go get 50 million dollars from anybody but you've got a brand new gm and a brand new head coach and your top two superstars two former mvps they don't want to be here this is a recipe for disaster and the rockets should understand if they don't want to be here they need to sell them and get the absolute most value you can get for them I don't know if there's a lot of value for Russ because I see a lot of places around the league seem to think Russ has a negative value. I find it unbelievable. I know he's making a ton of money, but he's Russell freaking Westbrook. What do you average this year? 28 points and eight boards and eight assists. And that guy has a negative value. 
James Harden has insane value because he's one of the top five players in the NBA. If I'm the Rockets, I'm trading them both. That the idea that you could go to the Nets and get Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, like three first round picks and three first round pick swaps. I don't know how you say no to that. That that's a winner to me. And then you can re-sign Dinwiddie and Allen, who are both really good young players. There's something very important I want to I want to say here because uh, what's happening with the Rockets in this exodus? Are you thinking this kind of thing could mirror a little bit what happened with Donald Sterling with the Clippers? Because all of a sudden, eventually, at the point where Donald Sterling had to step down as owner. Could this happen with Fertitta and he has to step down eventually as owner of the Rockets if this continues to spiral as it is? Well, Tillman hasn't gone out and popped off a whole bunch of racist comments. He's just been a guy who's been very wary of the bottom line, making sure not to spend more than, you know, that, that amount right before the tax. And he's done a bad job retaining his coach and retaining his general manager. Being incompetent is not the same as being a racist. Mm. And being a Trumper doesn't 100% necessarily mean you are a racist. I know we like to equate those two things, but it's not necessarily fair to equate that. You know, you could be a Trumper because you're all about the business end and he's going to give you all these zillions of tax breaks. Remember, nobody loves a billionaire like a billionaire. So from, from Tillman Petita's perspective, I understand why there are certain uh, – you know, business policies that Donald Trump would favor that would make Tillman Fertitta's life easier as a businessman. I don't think it's that kind of level. I just think he has no idea what the hell he's doing with a basketball team. Well, that makes, uh, that made two basketball teams for a little while. The Knicks were one that, uh, oh my goodness, you never knew what direction they were going. Now it seems like maybe the Knicks are beginning to go in that direction now uh, on the good side. Leon Rose, Knicks had a very nice draft. So now I want to bring up this. Russell Westbrook, he's looking for a new home. Could Russell Westbrook be a Nick? Do you think he goes the, to the Knicks? If the Rockets are lucky and the Knicks are morons, one of those two things is more likely than the other. If the Rockets are lucky and the Knicks are morons, Russell Westbrook is a Nick. And R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle uh, and maybe Mitchell Robinson and a couple of draft picks are going to Houston. Mm. So to me, I understand Leon Rose. And, and this, is the, this is the parallel I make. James Dolan has not always been a bumbling idiot when it comes to hiring people. He once hired Donnie Walsh. And Donnie Walsh undid all the damage from Isaiah Thomas got the Knicks back to being uh, a team that had money, that had draft picks, uh, drafted some young players. And then Donnie Walsh had a rookie GM in Denver named Masai Ujiri over a barrel because Carmelo Anthony, then a nugget, would only accept a trade to the Knicks. And he knew he had him over a barrel and he was just going to wait him out until he got his price. But James Dolan, in his infinite stupidity, decided he would overstep Donnie Walsh, basically a Hall of Fame baseball, uh, basketball exec. James Dolan was going to overstep him, hand away every damn young player they had, give away a treasure of draft picks to get Carmelo Anthony to come to New York. And uh, 
they got one what they have one season they won 50 games that was nice yep oh, one, one. Season. yeah one what and they had another year they were uh seventh and then that was when amari sodomayer fought the uh fire extinguisher and broke his hand mm-hmm. yeah so um hiring leon rose maybe leon rose is a really good hire we don't know. There's not enough sample size. But so far, I don't think anybody's unhappy with the job Leon Rose has done. There is going to come a time where James Dolan and his infinite stupidity and his absolute lack of patience, despite the fact this team has sucked for two decades, he is going to overstep Leon Rose. And then just like Donnie Walsh, Leon's going to be like, peace, I'm out of here. Because you're an a-. And it's all going to come apart again. Well, we're all certainly hoping none of that happens, uh, but this is, uh, this is James Dolan we're talking about here. I mean, so, I like the Knicks draft. You know, anything's possible in New York. I mean, then you have James Harden on the other side of that argument. Harden was talked about for a while of going to Brooklyn. Maybe now, Knicks, now the Nets have kind of backed off that a little bit. Where are maybe some rumblings of where James Harden could be heading? Well, James Harden – uh, reportedly has a three-team wish list. It's Brooklyn, it's Philly, it's Miami. Well, Miami just gave Bam a max, which means they're essentially out of the Giannis running for next year. But is that Bam max now trade fodder to go get James Harden? I don't know how well Harden and Butler coexist because Harden and anybody don't seem to coexist. You know, one of the the things that came out of this past season is that Russell Westbrook is the fiery vocal leader of the Rockets. And when Russ would tear into people, he would always start with himself. They would say, I need to be better at this. And then go around the room. You need to be better at that. You need to be better at this. And everybody took it to heart except one person. Would you like to guess who that one person is? Hmm. Give me a J. Give me an A. Give me an M. Give me an E. Give me an S. Uh, Mr. Positivity. Um, Two chipmunks live in his beard. Yes. That's the only person with a beard that's bigger than mine, I swear. He might have three chipmunks in there by now. Maybe maybe four. Maybe five by the time he gets to Philly. Can you imagine him on that roster? He's the only one that just – he's not going to hear it. James is going to do what he's going to do. It's it. That's that. There's no telling him. There's no, I mean, coaching James Harden is extremely difficult because James don't always want to be coached. And when you're that big a star and you make that kind of money, that guy's always going to win. It doesn't matter who the coach is. All right. Patrick Creighton, host of Late Hits on ESPN Radio in Houston. Check him out. Follow him on Twitter. You can find them. Where do they find you on Twitter? Where do they find you on Instagram? All that good stuff. Um, you find me on Twitter at pcreighton1. I'm only on Instagram for the purpose of making sure my kids don't post things that are inappropriate. Excellent. Um, so, yeah, I'm not really on Instagram. or uh, yeah, Twitter is pretty much where you find me. Pat Creighton, thanks so much for coming on board. When we come back. NBA insider from Yahoo Sports, Keith Smith, joins us. Oh, you got my boy Keith on. He's the best. Yep, he is. And we'll hear from him right after this. And we're back to downtown sports. We want to thank 
our guest, Patrick Creighton, for joining us on the first half of our show. I'm Jonathan Perriente, the Beast of the East, alongside my co-host, the Mouth of the South, John Schiavone. Before we introduce our next guest, John, how can our listeners hear us? Our listeners can hear us on Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Bullhorn, and our two new homes, Podbay and Listen Notes. So that's 12 different platforms. You can hear us every single week, rants, interviews, whatever you need, because we're downtown sports and we are sports. Come home. Joining us here today to discuss the NBA, as now the NBA draft has officially concluded last week. We have some trades, some moves have already been made. Here to join us and talk about some of these moves, we're pleased to welcome back for a third time to our show, NBA Insider for Yahoo Sports. We are pleased to be joined by Keith Smith. Keith, a pleasure to have you on here with us. Thank you for taking some time. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure. So let's uh, dive right into things, the NBA, and we'll dive into the NBA draft, which just took place this past week. Uh, some very, very little interesting circumstances uh, with the draft this year, obviously COVID-19. Uh, definitely we're not able to evaluate as much of the talent as normal because no college basketball games this year. But talk about this year's draft and, and some of the beginning play, the first couple of players out of this draft in the first round, particularly the top 10. Sure. Yeah. I think what you had in this draft was a lot of people were going in calling it a bad draft. And I think that was a little bit of a, a misnomer there. I don't, I don't know that bad is the exact right terminology. I think it lacked in superstars at the top. There was clearly no um, Zion Williamson this year. There wasn't an Anthony Davis. There's no guy you can draft and feel good. That guy's certainly going to be an all-star for you. But what there was was some really good players um, all the way through first round, even into the second round. There are guys who are going to be in NBA rotations for a long time, and, and they'll be good players. And even at the top, while Anthony Edwards, the number one overall pick, James Wiseman, the second pick, LaMelo Ball, the third pick, those guys don't project to necessarily be superstars or all NBA players, but they're going to be very, very good rotation players for a long time. They're all going to have 10-plus year careers in the NBA where they'll be good players on good teams and, you know, in there likely, you know, as starters uh, for most of that time as well. So so that's where you, you got to kind of separate a little bit into no superstar doesn't necessarily make it bad. That just means that there's no superstar. Um, and I think it being flat caused there to be a lot of interesting draft draftees as well to two locations because teams clearly had different priorities. So let's turn a little, a little local in terms of the draft. And let's look at the one guy that Knicks got at eight. Everybody loves this kid, Brooklyn product. A lot of people are saying that the Knicks got the low key, the best pick in the draft. Like they got the steal of the draft. What do you think about that? Um, I, I don't know that I'd call him the steal of the draft, but but I think he Obi Toppin is going to be a good player uh, for the Knicks. I think um, you know it, it's a little bit of a weird roster fit 
there because they, they yeah, Julius Randle's not long for the team. Um, he's probably got one more year left, and then Top and will slide in really and kind of take over that spot. But you've also got Kevin Knox, so that says to me, you know, what, what's happening with with Knox long term with the Knicks? They, there's just some, you know, kind, kind of oddities I guess is the best way to put it um with that roster but you know that said they they've Toppin should be a decent fit alongside um RJ Barrett who who they got they they also got uh Emmanuel quickly um in a draft day trade I love Emmanuel quickly I think that kid's gonna be awesome in the NBA he's absolutely one of the best shooters um that was in this draft class plus he gets after it defensively and he rebounds and for a guard that's about six foot three, I don't know how you can't be in love with that. So, so I'm really happy. Um, overall, the Knicks are, you know, um, uh, maybe making an obvious joke here, but it feels weird to see them making, you know, measured, smart, patient moves. Um, but, you know, that's what they're doing. They're not spending money just to spend it. Uh, I think they're trying to construct a roster that fits a lot better. And I think they're trying to do everything they can to put competitive vets around their young kids, Barrett, Knox, Nilakina, then now topping in quickly so that those guys are competing every day in practice as well as games. Talking with Keith Smith, NBA insider for Yahoo Sports. Diving more into the draft, the Hornets took LaMelo Ball, number three in the draft. Not too long ago, Lonzo Ball was taken number one. I know there was not really too many stars, like a big name taken, like star kind of taken in this draft, but LaMelo Ball going to three. What are your what are your thoughts on him and him joining the Hornets? Yeah, the Hornets may have gotten the best player in this draft um, at number three. A lot of people had LaMelo Ball tops on their draft board. I think it was, if you look at it, it was more of a fit issue for the Minnesota Timberwolves. They already have their primary ball handler in D'Angelo Russell. Uh, they made a draft night trade to bring Ricky Rubio back, so they're well covered uh, at that spot. And then the Golden State Warriors, they, they needed a big. They And James Wiseman was, you know, the best big man in this class. So so I think the Warriors are, uh, you know, that's why they passed on ball. And that, you know, left him to kind of slide a couple spots to the Hornets and the Hornets pounced. I think this kid's a great fit. I, I like Terry Rogier. I like Devontae Graham. But I think ball, his size and playmaking ability um, as a primary ball handler is going to be huge for the Hornets. And now they're going to add Gordon Hayward. Uh, via free agency, which is going to be big for them. So I think the Hornets are starting to put things together a little bit, a uh, team that can really pass. They've got some pretty good shooters, um, you know, and they're, they're moving in a little bit of a different direction. They've been down for a couple years. I think they're trying to get this team back to being competitive, get back into the postseason. And Ball's going to be a big part of that going forward. And the nice thing, too, is because he's such a willing passer, he fits with all the other young guys on that roster. And Graham, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington he's going to make their lives easier in a lot of ways because he is you know he's one of the best playmakers to come into the league in the draft in, in several years okay but you know when you draft Lamella Ball you're also sort of drafting his dad so <laughs> how does Michael Jordan handle that media circus along with his own media circus in Charlotte or is Michael really equipped to handle somebody like a LeVar Ball 
Yeah, maybe we'll finally find out who wins if they play one on one, right? After after Lavar called out MJ and said, "I need to see yeah. that." I think <laughs> right? that's yeah. part of the conditions of Lamelo being drafted. Right? <laughs> that should be one of one of those ones where we uh where they put put that on pay per view, raise a whole bunch of money, and send it to charity because or they're gonna put it on uh, or they're gonna put it on Lavar Ball's Facebook show. Right <laughs> there, it is. Um, no, yeah, I think I think it's. It's a little overblown. I think he settled down since the first, you know, year or so with Lonzo. I think he realized, you know, hey, this isn't going to fly. You don't control things here. I mean, remember when we heard him talking all about all three of my boys will play together on the same team and, you know, teams don't want to do that. We'll make it happen. You didn't hear any more of that. That that went away after, you know, a year or so. So, so I, you know, he'll chirp at times and do what he does because it's just who he is. But I think overall it's going to be fine. I think it'll be a complete non-issue. Going around the NBA now, there have been uh, the first little beginning of things. Uh, the NBA season, by the way, will return December 22nd, 72 games this year. So already free agency has uh, slowly picked up. We've already had uh, some small trades, some small uh, pieces being moved around. The most recent one, Montrezl Harrell, who was the sixth man of the year last year, he gets dealt to the Lakers. You had... Chris Paul going to the Phoenix Suns. The Rockets get DeMarcus Cousins. Talk to me about some of these uh, about some of these moves and how it could shake things up a little bit, particularly in the Western Conference. Yeah, because everything is so condensed this year. NBA training camps start in a week. Um, everything is, you know, flying. Um, the the draft, and then we were right into free agency two days later. Uh, so we've seen a lot of trades, a lot of player movement. Um, you know, I think the Western Conference, what we see, what we're seeing is teams are really loading up. And they they they're they're going for it. The Lakers are tweaking it a little bit. They brought in Montrezl Harrell, Dennis Schroeder. Um, you know, we signed a couple guys. They brought in Wesley Matthews. So the they are going to be in a pretty good position to kind of get get this thing moving um, there and defend that championship. The Clippers, uh, after losing Montrezl Harrell, rebound and add Serge Ibaka in his place. So that that's you know a pretty good addition for the Clippers. Um, the Phoenix Suns, you mentioned they they. You know, Oklahoma City indicated that they're kind of turning in a different direction uh, this year. They're going to go down the rebuilding path. So what they did was they the Suns jumped in and got Chris Paul, and and the Suns haven't made the playoffs in about a decade. So they really want to be a playoff team again, and getting Chris Paul is going to go a long way towards that for them. So I think that's going to be really, really helpful for the Suns. Um, yeah, the Rockets, we'll see, you know, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, that's interesting. Um, they're also going to get Christian Wood, who is one of the top free agent big men, uh, you know, in free agency. Uh, they still have James Harden and Russell Westbrook. We'll see if that lasts and, and how that uh, comes together ultimately for them. But yeah, it, it's going to be really, really, um, you know, uh, interesting to watch what the Rockets do. But as you look at it right now in the West, outside Oklahoma City, who because they're turning in a different direction, it's very hard to find a team that you can say that team's bad. Um, the other 14 teams all are varying levels of good or getting better or already really, really good. So that that's uh, something to keep an eye on. Oh, and then I, I should I'm remiss if I don't mention the Portland Trailblazers. They they thing they needed most was depth, and they loaded up and got a whole bunch of it. So, yeah, I love you know what's going on in the West. It's really turned into an arms race. Well, 
somebody who just fell behind in the arms race just lost a nuclear warhead and claimed Thompson and the Warriors. How do the Warriors respond to another season without a superstar again this year when this was supposed to be the big comeback year for Curry and uh, Thompson and Green and all of them returning back to the NBA final stage where they thought they belonged. Now Thompson's down. Yeah, that's that's tough, you know, and that um, you know, there's no other way to put it other than that sucks. Um, you know, Clay Thompson is one of the guys you know everybody likes in the league. Um, he, he's one of my favorite players to watch because he just he's one of those guys he can. I mean, he's had those games where he scored you know 60 points and had the ball for like a total of like 60 seconds. It feels like because it's just catch and shoot and fire and um, you know, incredible uh, defensive versatility out of him as well. So him being down now from the Warriors, um, they could have very easily said, well, Clay's out. We'll run it back with Steph's going to be back. We've got Draymond Green. We've got Andrew Wiggins now. We drafted James Wiseman. We'll, we'll move forward with that as best we can. But instead what they did was they added to what is already a historically huge luxury tax bill. They added to it by adding Kelly Oubre. Adding Oubre alone adds $80 million in luxury tax plus salary. For the Warriors, which is is just, you know, that that's bananas. Um, and they're indicating because they're going to get an exception to sign another player for Clay Thompson being out or trade for one, that they may use that. So that'll further add to the salary bill. So, yeah, the Warriors are uh, really, you know, they're, they're not going to be content to sit it out. Last year was the gap year. Last year was the kind of reset year. But but with uh, Thompson, you know, I being down, that, that makes it tough. But getting Kelly Oubre – uh, other moves that they're, they may make, they'll be right in the thick of things once again. Talking with NBA insider for Yahoo Sports, Keith Smith. We're going to get you out of here on this last couple of questions. We're going to move local now. We're going to go to the Knicks. They just made a move signing Austin Rivers. Now we're hearing talk about this uh, possible Westbrook and Harden both going to different places, the Knicks being a target. And from what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing being reported – Westbrook has the biggest chance to move. So that matters locally to the Knicks because they seem to be the biggest target team that a lot of people are talking about moving Russell Westbrook to. Do the Knicks make that move if it becomes available to them? What would they have to give up to the Rockets to get a Russell Westbrook? Would this be a salary dump situation? Yeah, it would be sort of a salary dump situation. Uh, I don't want to put it quite that way because I think that's uh, knocking down. Russ can still play. You know, he's still an all-NBA guy. He's not what he was, and that's a bit of a challenge. And I think some of the hesitation with the Knicks is clearly taking on the, you know, roughly $120 million or so over the next three years in salary for Westbrook. That's tough. Then the other thing is with him is he's going to come in and you if, if it's his team, you're going to play a certain way. And then what does that do to the development of R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, uh, you know, Kevin Knox, who, who the guys who are going to be left after you acquire Westbrook. The, the reason why the Knicks were mentioned so prominently, too, is one, it's a big market. There's this, you know, long-held assumption because it's been the way they've operated always in the past is that they're going to go for it. They're, they're going to, you know, try to bring in these veterans to shortcut the rebuild and get back to being a playoff team. And then the last part is they had a ton of cap space. So everybody kind of looked at it, put all those together and said, well, of course, you know, Russ to New York makes sense. I think what we've seen out of the front offices, 
now new front office, not operating the same way. Um, they chose to use their cap space in slightly different directions. They've still got a good amount as we sit today. They've got about 18 million or so. But they are not, um, you know, gonna gonna do a move like that just to do it. If they get Russell Westbrook, it'll be because they truly believe that's the best way forward for the team. This is not just gonna be a oh hey big name, let's go get them and let's try and shortcut the rebuild. That that's not gonna happen. Get you out of here, Keith, with this question. Uh, we brought up the Knicks and the moves they've made. I want to bring up the Brooklyn Nets because now. The Brooklyn Nets are on the verge of a really special season here right before our eyes. Kevin Durant coming back healthy. Kyrie Irving coming back. The Nets now have a new head coach in Steve Nash. You bring in Mike D'Antoni, who he played for for how many years with Phoenix. Amari joins the crew. And you bring in Udoka from the Spurs. Talk to me about what the Nets are going to have put together here. There was talk about maybe James Harden. I don't know if that's still kind of picking up. I think it's starting to fall a little by the wayside here. As I'm reading, the Nets are not really quite as focused on getting him now. But how much dangerous are, or more dangerous are the Nets going to be now in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, I think they're going to be you know really really good. It all you know ultimately in the end, it only really matters if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are fully healthy. If they're healthy, then they're title contenders. If they're not, or they're not what they once were then they're still a pretty good team, but they're, they're probably, you know, a tier behind those top teams. The challenge for the Nets ultimately is going to be, and it's tough for Steve Nash as a first-year head coach. Now, it's important because he's got some good um, assistants around him who have been around for a while, including Mike D'Antoni, his former, uh, you know, uh, coach when he was a player. Um, what's going what's gonna to be good um, for him is to have those guys help him navigate. They've got a lot of guys. They've got, you know, Kyrie, KD, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan, Torian Prince. Um, they just traded for Landry Shamit. There are a lot of guys there that need to play. And sometimes in the NBA, you can have too many guys. Um, fit matters more than talent. This, uh, I like to say, this isn't when you're building a fantasy team and you just go and get all the best players. Um, you're, you're, you're building a real functional basketball roster. And I think that's also partially why they're not jumping right in on, let's go get James Harden. Because you put Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant on the same team, that's three guys who really need the ball an awful lot. And I know people are like, well, Kevin Durant made it work in Golden State. But he made it work in Golden State playing alongside two elite off-ball players in Clay Thompson and Stephen Curry while also being a good off-ball player himself. Irving's not great off the ball. Harden's not great off the ball. Somebody's game is going to have to suffer and sacrifice. So it's, uh, you know, I think that's why they're not necessarily jumping in on that move. But, yeah, talent-wise, when you look at the Nets, it's good. The depth is good because you still got to have some concerns on KD and Kyrie. You know, maybe, you know, Kyrie hasn't made it through a full season in a while. Um, Kevin Durant's coming off, you know, the worst possible injury for a basketball player. So that's why I think the Nets are looking at this and saying, let's hang on to our depth. We can always make the James Harden trade later if we want to. Yo, that doesn't have to be done today. Let's see what we can do. And, and a lot of people are throwing out, well, wouldn't you make it now so you get a full training camp? Training camp's going to last like two weeks <laughs> this year, and then we're right into games. So no one's really overly concerned about getting in a full training camp. The, this year it's about let's get um, – you know, let, let's move forward. And I think for the Nets, they're rightly so prioritizing. Let's keep this great depth we've built. 
Keith Smith, NBA insider for Yahoo Sports. Thanks so much for coming on to the show. Really appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk to us. And uh, just one last little thing. What's the situation with fans in the stands? Are we having a regional thing? I know it's not going to be Disney World again. So yep. what's the final situation? Yeah, it's um, it's it's going to be limited capacity, um, in any of the arenas. But it's going to be first the um, uh, state, county, city, whatever you know rules. Um, they trump anything the NBA wants to do. So if the NBA says you can have twenty five percent of the building full by the NBA rules, but the um, city of New York says no, you can't have anybody, then you won't have anybody. Um, so it's going to be a little bit mixed around the league. Um, right now, the only team that has opened has come out and said that they plan for limited capacity fans is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Every other team has either said they won't have fans, at least for the beginning. Nobody is ruling it out for the entire season, but at least to start the year. Um, everybody else has either said that they won't or they just haven't made you know, any kind of comment. But, but you know, like local uh, rules, guidelines, call them whatever you want, those will govern things first, um, despite what the NBA wants to do. But it, it's probably going to be limited um, for several markets, and then we'll see from there. Who knows what that will turn into. Should be a very, hopefully looking forward to a resurgence in the NBA this year, hopefully for fans to be back for all games. Keith Smith, NBA insider for Yahoo Sports, thank you so much for taking some time to join us. And should be a very exciting season. I hope hope we can see uh, things pick up this year. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, guys. I'll stay safe for you and yours. That was Keith Smith of Yahoo Sports, insider for the NBA. That's going to do it for this edition of Downtown Sports. I would like to thank Patrick Creighton and our top 10 from our statistician, Crystal Large. Before we wrap things up, we are available on 12 different platforms. We're on Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Bullhorn, and now on Listen Notes and PodBay. 12 different sites. Tuesday, Wednesday, rants, live episodes every single week. The NBA is just getting started. We're just a month away from a revive season. One month away from a live season. Hopefully about a month and a half away from a live vaccine where we could all go get a vaccine and then go back to living normal life. Being in the stands. I want to be at spring training. But do you know what we need to do? We need to stay home and stay safe this Thanksgiving. I want to tell all of my listeners out there, stay safe. Have a happy Thanksgiving with you and your family. I'm Jonathan Pariente, the Beast of the East, along with my co-host, the Mouth of the South, John Chavoni. want to thank our whole crew, including our statistician, Crystal Large, our researcher, Tony Mainville. want to thank Keith Smith and Patrick Creighton for coming on to the show. want to thank them for all their insights. And I just want to say, for the Beast of the East, Jonathan Pariente on the Mouth of the South, John Chavoni saying, we out. Goodbye. <laughs>